Less than 24 hours after the Sacramento Kings received the NBA All-Star snub of the century, the Kings respond as a team in the perfect way possible in Indiana. I'll explain right here on Locked on Kings. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode of Locked on Kings. Hello and welcome into Locked on Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all season long. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use promo code all lowercase locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I'm a Sacramento sports anchor and reporter for ABC 10 News. And no, I'm not completely over the frustrations and the anger. I've cooled off a little bit. A night's sleep help with that, but I'm still very peeved that the Sacramento Kings are the only team in both the East and Western Conference playoff pictures, the only top six team to not have a single All-Star, especially considering the fact that both DeMontis Sabonis and De'Aaron Fox are putting up numbers and averages that on winning teams in NBA history have never not made the All-Star game, meaning Fox's numbers and Sabonis's numbers are so good that every other player on winning teams ever to record the numbers that they're recording right now have made all-star teams. They are the first not to. This is literally a historic snub. And we talked about it yesterday. I don't know how much the Kings cared about it. I don't know how much De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis cared about it. I hope it ticked them off a little bit. It certainly ticked off Kings head coach Mike Brown, who uh, who had some things to say uh, about receiving snubs. And actually, he kind of made a joke out of it, too. He said, we're the only... Uh, top team in the, the Western Conference playoff team to to be in that playoff picture and to not have all-stars. I'm not that good of a coach, right? So Mike had his kind of fun spin on things. But I was hoping that, okay, maybe De'Aaron and Domas wouldn't visibly be pissed off or wouldn't take to the podium or grab a microphone or appear on a podcast or do an interview and say, yeah, I'm pissed off. This is ridiculous. This is BS, yada, yada, yada. But maybe the way that they played, maybe the way that the Sacramento Kings played would show their response or their reaction to the blatant disrespect of this decision by the NBA towards the Sacramento Kings. Because that's what it is. It's not a better player got in. A more deserving player got in. It's not. It's just blatant bias, disrespect, and a disregard for the success of the Sacramento Kings and the star power of both De'Aaron Fox, but especially DeMondis Sabonis. So the Kings, the next night after this slight, take on the Indiana Pacers and defeat the Pacers 133-122. to Here is why this is the perfect response to the disrespect that the Kings received. They won tonight's game wholeheartedly as a team. They put up 133 points as a team. You had four players score 20 or more points tonight. Those four players being Fox, Sabonis, Barnes, and Malik Monk. You had two other players in uh, Kevin Herter and Trey Lyles who also reached double digits. Six players in double digits, four of them scoring 20-plus in a victory. And, of course, you were led 
by Sabonis and Fox. Demontis Sabonis tonight, 26 points, 9 of 14 from the field, 12 rebounds, 7 assists, and 2 steals. We'll talk about him and the history he continues to make more a little bit later on in the show. Then there's De'Aaron Fox, one point behind him, 25 points tonight, 11 of 21 from the field, 3 rebounds, 3 assists, 6 steals, which ties his career high. So you had your two stars still leading the charge, but the Kings as a team showed up. As a unit, they responded to this disrespect. Because I promise you, I mean, Kevin Herter tweeted about it, how ridiculous it was uh, that neither Fox or Sabonis were named. But And Malik answered a question about it in postgame. Deuce Mason on postgame asked him tonight what his thoughts were on neither Fox or Sabonis making it and basically said it doesn't surprise him because everybody sleeps on Sacramento and they just have to keep waking everybody up. That was what Monk said about the situation. But I, I promise you, those guys, those teammates, are just as pissed off because the recognition of Fox and Sabonis isn't just for the two of them. It's also for the recognition of what the Sacramento Kings are continuing to do as a team. A team who so many labeled as, as destined to regress and to be worse because there's no way they were going to be as healthy and injury-lucky as they were last season, this season. Lo and behold, the Kings haven't been as healthy and injury lucky, and yet they're still in a very similar position, nine games over 500, firmly planted in the playoff picture come All-Star time. This Kings team wanted Fox and Sabonis to get the recognition because it's not just a, a celebration of their teammates, it's a positive reflection on the entire team. So what does the entire team do? They go and perform, play hard together, defeat an NBA darling team in the Indiana Pacers who has an all-star starter in Tyrese Halliburton on their roster. Of course, there's the obvious playing your former team narrative of Demondis Sabonis taking on his former team in the Indiana Pacers. Of course, that made an impact, but that narrative to me is much smaller than the all-star narrative for this game, at least. And to make it as poetic as possible, the Kings as a team play together, send a message, defeat an NBA darling, and they do it in the same city that is hosting the All-Star game. Hosting All-Star weekend that only Keegan Murray will be at, at least at this point in time. We don't know if Malik Monk or uh, will make the dunk contest or if any Kings players will make the three-point contest or skills contest or anything at this point in time. So I thought this is just a, a perfect, perfect response. Now, some of you might be going, Matt, isn't this... Like, like, I hear what you're saying, but isn't this a, like, an understandable son, uh, take by the, 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 or doesn't this prove the point of the NBA that the Sacramento Kings are winning basketball games because it's not just Fox and Sabonis that are doing great things, it's, it's so many other players on this Kings team. Wouldn't it have been better, wouldn't it have been more poetic for the Kings? to have Fox and Savonis come out after being snubbed and combined for 80 points and to go off and, and have these massive performances that nobody could deny. To some extent, yes. I wouldn't have mind seeing Savonis put up 40 or Fox put up 40. But I think this is a better reflection of who the Sacramento Kings are, who the Sacramento Kings believe they are, and how they are going to approach the second half of the season. You don't want us to be all-stars? Fine. We will go and rest up as a team. We'll get healthy, get right, and we'll respond in the second half of the season the same way we responded after All-Star Weekend last year where the Kings were the hottest team coming out of the All-Star break last year that helped them secure a third seed and secure a home court advantage. The Kings as a fifth seed, maybe they come out hot again and that's enough for them to move themselves into a home court advantage 
spot. But they know they're only going to do that. They're only going to succeed as a team. Monty McNair, Mike Brown, the Kings did not make a lot of moves this offseason betting on the internal growth of this Kings team. How can they improve in a playoff series? What would they look like together in the postseason as a team? Of course, you need stars to carry you as far as you're going to go, and Fox and Sabonis are those guys. But as a team, the Kings are at their best when everybody is on the same page. The ball is moving, shots are falling, and they're clicking and communicating the same way that we saw tonight. So I prefer this response and prefer this performance tonight for the Kings after being snubbed, this team victory. I prefer that over Fox and Sabonis going off and no other King being in double digits or maybe barely being with like 10 points here, 11 points there, yada, yada, yada. Let's talk about some team Kings team love. Let's keep with this theme here a little bit. Like the Kings as a team made some really, really good adjustments in this game. The biggest one was the Indiana Pacers scored 20 points in the paint in the first quarter alone. Right, they, It was just layup lines for the Pacers coming out of the gate. The Kings still gave up 122 points, which is not ideal. Granted, they did it against the best offense in the NBA in the Pacers this year. The Pacers have been putting 122 points up on everybody. So, would you like to see that number lower? Would Mike Brown like to see that number lower? Absolutely. Would the Kings like to have had better interior defense than they had in this game, especially in the first quarter? Absolutely. But... To put this into perspective, the Pacers scored 38 points in the paint on 79% shooting in the paint in the first half. In the second half, that number was just 20 points in the paint on 45% shooting. 45% in the paint is not good. It's not like 45% from three-point range. That's amazing. 45% around the rim scoring in the paint, that is not good. Good. The Kings made a clear adjustment in the second half, did a much better job with their interior defense, and that's one of the major reasons why they were able to create enough separation to ultimately win this game. And then also the Kings themselves dominated in the paint the entire night, took advantage of the fact that the Pacers, as great as they are on offense, they don't play a lick of defense. DeMontis Sabonis and the Kings took advantage. They scored 66 points in the paint. And what I love about this for Sacramento is we've talked about at times it seems like they have an over-reliance on that three-point shot when they should be getting to the rim more. The Kings shot 38%, 13 of 34 from three-point range. 13 of 34. The Kings only taking 34 threes in a victory because they were so good in the paint. That's a great number for me. How about the steals, right? The Kings were, they might have struggled defensively to keep the Pacers from scoring, but defensively, in terms of deflections and steals, man, the Kings had themselves a fantastic game. 15 steals as a team. That led to 22 Pacer turnovers. And the Kings scored 31 points off those 22 Pacer turnovers. If you're wondering why the Kings won the game, that's the number right there. And this Pacers team, they love to get out and run, right? That plays to a Kings strength in some extent. The Kings are also a team that wants to get out in transition. But the Pacers have mastered it. They've been brilliant in transition this season. Neither team scored a lot of fast break points, only nine to seven, but that nine to seven was in favor of the Kings. To me, that speaks less to the amount of fast break points that the Kings scored and more to how few fast break points they held the Pacers to in their own building. A team that likes to run only scored seven fast break points against the Sacramento Kings tonight. Finally, let's talk about Tyrese Halliburton really quickly. Tyrese, has been in and out of the lineup due to injuries. He came off the bench tonight. Ended up starting the second half, but didn't play until the second quarter. So I understand this is not the best version of Tyrese Halliburton. This is no shade at Tyrese whatsoever, because you know how much I like him. 
All of us here in Sacramento love Tyrese and support him and are excited to see him uh, as a starter in the Eastern Conference. That being said, he scored 14 points, but the big number, the big number for Tyrese, only one assist tonight. I don't know how much credit you want to give the Sacramento Kings, but that's the number. Tyrese Halliburton, who leads the league in assists, his primary skills is distribution and getting his teammates involved. He is the engine that makes that offense go. Just one assist tonight. I think that's credit for the Sacramento Kings as well. All right, we're going to talk about individuals. Of course, we have to talk about DeMontis Sabonis. We'll have to talk about Malik Monk and the Kings bench in general. Harrison Barnes coming up as well. There's so much still to talk about, which I'll get to here in a second. Like I said at the top of the show, today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is brought to you by Price Picks. What is Price Picks? Well, Price Picks is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. It's the easiest and most exciting way to get your daily fantasy sports fix. And it's a completely unique and beneficial way for you to play. Why? Because you're not taking on other players, including the pros and the sharks out there that take advantage of you. You're not taking on those people. It's just you versus the prize picks projections. There are so many different projections out there involving points scored, rebounding, assists, combinations, steals, dunks, minutes played. There's so many unique ways to play prize picks for any given Kings game. And all you have to do is pick two to six players, choose if they're going to have more or less than that prize picks projection. You can win up to 25 times your money. Plus, they have these... Uh, these safer picks or these more risky picks that if you take the more risky picks, you can win even more money than that. Prize picks is really, truly the most fun I have ever had play, playing daily fantasy sports, and I'm not alone. So many Kings media members, so many Kings fans play prize picks, and we meet before games and talk about what we're choosing and what we're not choosing. We celebrate each other's little moments that happen in games when we know it helps them or or, or get upset when it hurts them, right? Prize picks is just a fun way to also build kind of your community fandom as well. Add another element, add another layer to the Kings games that you love so much. Go to prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA. Use code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks is daily fantasy sports made easy. Domantas Sabonis. I don't know why he's not an all-star when he's putting up the numbers like, once again, he put up tonight. Again, running through his stat line, 26 points, 12 rebounds, 7 assists, 2 steals. What we're mainly going to talk about here is the 26 points and 12 rebounds. Yeah, that's a double-double. That is 30 straight double-doubles for DeMontis Sabonis. He is the 14th player ever to have a, a double-double streak that long ever not this season not this century or i should say this decade ever only 13 other players have done what demonte sabonis is doing not to mention on top of that he leads the nba in double doubles he's got 43 this season still not good enough to be an all-star apparently don't know why he is now one double double shy of oscar robertson's franchise record streak of 31 games he's gonna break it he's gonna tie it next he'll tie it tomorrow in chicago he's gonna break it before this road trip is done and then it'll rightfully be his spot at the top of the the king's record books the the, the king's franchise record books for that streak but still not good enough to make the all-star team apparently well 
I mean, if, if you want to say that, yeah, okay, Sabonis has these great assist numbers because he touches the ball so much every possession or whatever Shasky said in, in the Bay Area, or uh, Sabonis, like, yeah, he gets all the rebounds because nobody else on the Sacramento Kings rebounds, but, but he doesn't do the stat that really matters. Matt, he, he does not score. Demonis Sabonis does not score. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you 26 points tonight on 60, where is it? 60%, no, 61% shooting. Efficient scoring, but scoring nonetheless. Demonis Sabonis can put up points when he wants to, and you can tell he was looking to score. He came out of the gate tonight, whoo, first possession, post up, bucket. Couple possessions later, got the ball, blows by his defender, one-handed slam dunk. Demonis Sabonis came to play tonight. He, he sent a message in how he played. Sabonis doesn't really play angry. He gets upset from time to time with getting hit in the face a million times, which I, I of course, would be too. He also gets upset at the officiating from time to time as well. Sabonis is not an angry person, but he played a little bit angry tonight, and I think we know the motivation why. Have to do with a little all-star snub, maybe. I want to talk about Malik Monk, too. Because I was, I was critical of Malik. I've been critical of Malik, and I was frustrated with Malik, especially the Kings' most recent win, which was the, the, the win in Memphis. I thought, even though the Kings won that game, I thought the Kings were very erratic. They did a terrible job taking care of the basketball in that game. Didn't play to the caliber that they expect and we expect, and Malik Monk was a major part of that. Malik has been in a rut. He's been struggling. He, has, he had scored, in the last four games combined, just 22 total points. Tonight... 23 points, 9 of 14 from the field, 6 assists, 5 rebounds, and a steal. All over the stat sheet. Great to see the assists come back as well as the scoring. He had a good bounce to his step. He looked fresh. He looked quick. He looked like he had a pep in his step. He was getting to his spots, knocking down his mid-range shots. I love the fact that he didn't just score 23 points by hoisting a lot of threes. He was trying to get downhill, trying to get to the mid-range, trying to draw the defender in, then dump off to Domas or dump off to someone else to help get that assist tally up. This was Malik Monk basketball, right? This was good energy off the bench with that second unit. And, of course, it inspired the Kings' second unit as a whole to perform exceptionally well tonight. The Kings' bench scored, let's see, 40 points tonight. 40 combined points. Now, technically, they lost the bench battle to the Indiana Pacers, 44-40. to 40. But three guys off the Kings bench, only four players played off the Kings bench, Kessler Edwards, Trey Lyles, Malik Monk, uh, and who in the world am I forgetting? That's, oh, Davion Mitchell. Those are the four players that played off the bench for the Kings. Only three of them actually scored, and those three combined for 40 points. Trey Lyles had 13 of them. The Indiana Pacers had five guys play off the bench, and four of them combined for 44 points. Of course, that includes both Tyrese Halliburton and Buddy Heald, who came off the bench. The Pacers have the best bench in the NBA. One of the best benches scoring-wise in NBA history. It's a, it's a major strength of that team. So to only be outscored by them when you only had three guys score off the bench, to only be outscored by the, the Pacers bench by four points, that is a recipe for success. This Kings bench has struggled mightily recently. They did not play well in the loss to Miami a couple nights ago. Well, here they are putting up 40 points together. Again, Malik Monk having his big game. Trey Lyles having his big game. Davion Mitchell had moments. I also thought Davion kind of looked, eh, kind of looked pretty bad at, at, at certain times tonight too. And then there's Kessler Edwards, who did not score, 
But Kessler Edwards had great minutes, especially in the first half. I thought Kessler, I don't, I don't know who won defensive player of the game crown. I have a feeling it's Kessler. Kessler made some really, really big defensive plays, had some excellent defensive minutes for the Kings tonight against the Pacers. When the Kings couldn't get any stops, Kessler Edwards came in and helped the Kings at least get a little bit of a rhythm on the defensive end of the floor. One of the reasons why I think the Kings were able to turn things around and clamp down on the paint a little bit better was because of Kessler Edwards' presence. Really, really good to see him play. It's, it's weird that the Kings did not play a backup center tonight. Maybe because of the matchup against the speedy Pacers, JaVale McGee or Alex Len didn't really make sense. They decided to go small with uh, Trey Lyles at the backup five when DeMontis Sabonis was out. But Kessler Edwards tonight, I don't know if that, that probably, I imagine, would have been Sasha Vizenkov's spot had Sasha been healthy. He's still dealing with this ankle injury that's, that's kept him out recently. Or maybe not because the Kings needed defense and Kessler Edwards provided that defense. So I wanted to make sure to give him a shout out and share some love for Kessler because he played really, really well. Shame on you, Matt. You're you're this far into the podcast. Harrison Barnes had a great game. And once again, you're not talking about him yet. It's intentional. I'm going to, I saved the last segment specifically for Harrison and the obvious trade conversation that has hovered around Harrison certainly a lot this season, but really over the past couple of seasons that he's been here in Sacramento. We'll have that conversation in just a sec. Today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is also brought to you by FanDuel. Happy Super Bowl time to all those who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. If you're like me, Super Bowl is all about finding the perfect seat on the couch, grabbing those great Super Bowl football snacks, and of course, uh, placing some super bets. That's where FanDuel comes in. There's so many amazing ways to play FanDuel, so many fun ways, especially around Super Bowl time, whether it's betting on the, uh, the, the go-to things like the money line and point spreads and things like that, which of course you can do as of right now. The 49ers are very slight favorites in Super Bowl 58 in Las Vegas. You can do that, or you can have some more fun with the prop bets, like who's going to score a touchdown? Who's going to score the first touchdown? Who's going to win the coin toss? Stuff around the, the halftime show even. There's so many fun and unique ways to bet on the Super Bowl. And FanDuel is the perfect place for you to go and have that fun. And check this out. If you're new to FanDuel, this is the perfect time for you to sign up. If you want to give Super Bowl betting a try, take advantage of this amazing offer by FanDuel. New customers join today. You'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 wins. So join right now. Place a $5 bet on something to do with the Sacramento Kings and Chicago Bulls tomorrow. If you win, here's $200 in bonus bets. In addition to the money you make on that bet, use that $200 plus and have a lot of fun and make even more money on Super Bowl Sunday. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Harrison, I didn't wait to talk about you and another great night that you had because you're an afterthought. I did it intentionally because there's a bigger conversation with Harrison Barnes to be had. Now, first, let's talk about the great night that HB had. 22 points, 9 of 14 from the field, 4 of 7 from three-point range, 4 rebounds, 3 steals. He came out of the gate. I mean, a lot of the Kings came out of the gate and played really, really well. The balanced attack for Sacramento started in that first quarter. Fox got off to a good start. Of course, Domas did. Monk did off the bench. Harrison Barnes did, right? HB was aggressive. He struggled in that Miami Heat game, but it wasn't because he faded into the background like he had done so many times earlier this season. He just wasn't hitting shots. 
He was getting that higher volume. I think he went like 0 of 6 from three-point range, and most of them were wide open looks. It was just a cold shooting night. And I told you after that game, I would much rather Barnes go like 4 of 13 from the field and struggle than go 1 of 2 or 1 of 3 and, and, and basically do nothing else. Right? Harrison responds. The shots are falling this time, and he continues to play really well. Is averaging over 20 points per game in this last like stretch of six, seven, or eight games or whatever he's on. He's playing very, very well right now. He has found his role with this Kings team. And that role is just simply being more engaged. It's less about, hey, let me fill in and, and, and find where I fit and do what I need to do as a great teammate to emphasize the strengths of De'Aaron and Domas and stay out of their way and blah, blah, blah. No, it's now I'm going to be a part. The Kings have found a way to make Harrison Barnes more of a part of what they're doing, and Harrison is rewarding them for it by his stellar play because this offensive team is so loaded with weapons and an attention of a defense has to be so spread to Fox and Domas and Herter on the perimeter and Keegan Murray, what he's doing, Malik Monk off the bench. So many weapons that the defense has to pay attention to that more often than not, they just forget about Harrison being out there. And Harrison is making it very difficult for defenses to forget about him. Meaning when they have to pay attention to what he's doing, of course, that opens up opportunity and space for everybody else. HB is playing very, very well. He has found his role. So I do not think the Kings are trading Harrison Barnes. I don't think HB is going anywhere. That is not just because of recency bias. Right? That's not just because of this great stretch that he's on. Because I'm sure some of you are screaming at me in the comment section right now going, Don't be fooled, Matt! The trade deadline's going to pass and HB's going to revert right back to what he was doing. And he's just playing good, good right now because he either wants to increase his value or he doesn't want to be traded to a bad team. He wants to stay here in Sacramento and compete in the playoffs. That might be how you feel. And you know what? You could be right. I hope you're not right. None of us should be hoping that you're right. Even you. <laughs> you shouldn't want to be right about that. Because if this is the version of Harrison Barnes that you can get, not necessarily 20 points a game, because that's going to cool off a little bit, but this engaged, this active, and the shot making that Harrison has been providing. If that can carry into the playoffs, oh my goodness, is this Kings team dangerous. But the Kings are in desperate need of players at Harrison's position and Harrison's size. Those wing players, those 6'8", 6'9", long wingspan, lengthy, athletic players. Kings need more of those guys. So if there is a way that they can get through this trade deadline, especially with the efficient Harrison Barnes that they're getting right now, if they can make it through the trade deadline, make some improvements to this roster, and not include Harrison Barnes in those trades to make those improvements, I think that is option A for them. And maybe that was an option that they didn't feel like they had two or three weeks ago that they realized that they have right now. So that's, I mean, that's just my read on the situation. My gut feeling on this trade deadline goes back to the same way I felt earlier on this season that the Kings with this core with this group are going to ride it out get another playoff series minimum of context and make a decision going on from there if the Kings get into the first round and lose in the first round again because uh, Herder and Barnes disappear and certain guys struggle the same way they did against the Golden State Warriors then okay now now it's a two two series sample size now okay we're ready to make our decision now, now we've seen enough to know we have to go in a different direction. And I'm, I'm, I'm just speaking for me personally here. Maybe Monty does feel like he has seen enough and just the right deal isn't out there. That's the case too. The Kings aren't just going to make a deal for the sake of making a deal, especially a deal that could bring in a player that might potentially put them in a tough cap situation that basically caps this team out. 
And if you don't believe that move is going to ultimately help the Kings actually win a championship, what's the point in capping yourself up at a team that has a ceiling of maybe a second or third round exit? If there is going to be a big move for Sacramento, I think it's, it's, it's Kyle Kuzma or bust at this point. Now, of course, there's always the possibility of those under-the-radar secret moves, conversations, things that haven't been linked, uh, leaked that Monty might have up his sleeve. That's certainly a possibility, right? Trades that we didn't see coming, like, for example, the Tyrese Halliburton for DeMontis Sabonis trade. So I'm not saying that since we haven't heard about it, it's not going to happen. But I just feel like it makes the most sense reading the tea leaves, not just in Sacramento, but around the league. Kyle Kuzma is a player the Kings have been interested in and have coveted for a long time. He's on a good contract. He could absolutely help this Kings team. But if the package that it's going to take to get him doesn't make sense, the Kings aren't going to do it. And if they don't make a big trade for Kyle Kuzma, I don't think they're making a big trade for anybody else. There's still a chance they make those minor, smaller, roster-bolstering, rotation-bolstering moves. Remember last year at the trade deadline, the only move the Kings made was the Kessler-Edwards move, where they sent, I think, just a second rounder or something like that to Brooklyn to get him. So it might end up being another boring, uneventful trade deadline. So just prepare yourself for it. I'm not saying that's the right way to approach it or the wrong way to approach it. In fact, why don't you tell me? How are you feeling about how the Kings should approach the trade deadline, which is coming up in seven days, I think, from now? Seven or six days? It's coming up very, very quickly. How do you think the Kings should approach the trade deadline now that we've seen the context of Harrison Barnes is playing better and has more of an established role? Kevin Herter has been playing better. This Kings team seems like they're getting back on the same page a little bit, re-emphasizing their strengths instead of their weaknesses. How are you feeling? How do you think the Kings should approach the trade deadline. Let me know at MattGeorgeSack on Twitter. Email me MattGeorgeSports at gmail.com. Leave your thoughts in the YouTube comment section down below. Like I mentioned, the Kings back to nine games above 500 have a chance to finally get to that 10 games above 500 mark, which is a big mark to get to for any team in any season. They'll take on the Chicago Bulls tomorrow night. Hey, maybe, maybe a showcase game, maybe an opportunity to take a look at Alex Caruso, who I would love the Sacramento Kings to go out and try and get although he might be a little more expensive than what the Kings are willing to give up in order to get him. Who knows, but that's obviously a very winnable game for the Kings, even though it's on the second night of a back-to-back. -back. But look, the longest road trip of the season, it's hard to win on the road, period, no matter who you are, even though the Kings had a lot of success on the road last year. And here they are, five games into their longest road trip of the year, and they're 4-1 and one on this trip. Two games left, two winnable games left. Bulls tomorrow, a day off and then the Cleveland Cavaliers before they head on home for two games before heading out on the road again. So let's see how this Kings team does. Of course, after this Bulls game, you can count on another episode of the Locked on Kings podcast, very similar to this one here from the ABC 10 studios in Sacramento. Appreciate all of you tuning in. Can't wait to have you join me on that next episode. Until then, my name is Matt George. You've been listening to Locked on Kings, part of the Locked on Podcast Network.